In order to understand the next Mimer, it's essential to preface that one of the most important ways that Hasidus reveals godliness in the world is through Misholim, through parables. From the Alter Rebbe on, one of the main themes that Hasidus speaks about all the time are the different parables that are given to try to allow our mind, our rational mind, to perceive ways that godliness manifests. But it's also always important to remember that there is absolutely no mushal, no parable that is mechuvin, that is exact. On one hand, we know, like it says in Tanya chapter 3, that a mushal and chesidus, that whenever you have ideas in our world that reflect the divine, it's because neshtal shalumen, it's because the, these Actual parables in the downshading of worlds actually come from these divine ideas that they reflect. So on one hand, there's a very deep closeness between parables and chesidus and divinity, because each parable is an actual derivation, a downshading, a hishtalshalus from this divine idea in its source. But on the other hand, we have to know that since there is nothing in our world that could compare to the Rebbeinu Shalom, to God and godliness because everything that we could perceive in our mind is finite. Therefore, one of the ways that learning chesidus is so important is that every mushal, every parable, one understands in what way it is a good parable, for what aspect of divinity of elokus is it being used as a mushal, and for what aspect of elokus is it not being used, is it, does it not fit. And that's how together, that's how one learns Chassidus in depth, by using all these Mishalim to understand how Chassidus explains in what ways they're good Mishalim, they're good parables, not good parables, and thereby being able to draw the picture. And that's what the theme of this Mimer mainly is about. As we've been learning already since last Mimer, this concept of the Orin Sof, the infinite light of God before Tzimtzum, the infinite light of God in which the Tzimtzum was. That's what we left off with the Alter Abbas Chiddush of the idea of Orin Sof based on the Arizal. And so this next Mimer is going to be about a lot of Misholem to explain the parable of Or, this idea of what does it mean? We mean the infinite light, the Or Ein Sof. That's what this Mimer is about, and it's going to be by using many different Misholem parables to see in what way they fit and what ways they don't. Let's learn the Mimer. And God spoke to Moshe and Aaron saying that this is the chuka of Torah. That God says, and we have to understand why does it say twice Havaya. That Havaya said to Moshe and Aaron that Zeis chuka that Havaya said. Why does it have to repeat Hashem Havaya twice? And it's known from the Medrash that Chuka is the Lashon Chakika, the language of engraving. Chukas, Shebem Chakakti Shemayim Varts, the engravements with which I engraved heaven and earth. But we have to understand what is this engraving of heaven and earth. Usually we speak of heaven and earth being created. What does it mean that they're engraved? Also, we have to understand how is the Medrash comparing Chukas HaToyra to Chukas Shachakakti Shemayim Va'aretz, the engraving of heaven and earth, to the level of Toira. We know that Torah and mitzvahs draw down not just the divine light that creates, that relates to worlds, rather extremely high levels of divine light, which is what Hasidus explains at length, the difference between the covenant that God made with Noyach. <laughs> 
and the covenants that God made with Avram and with Moshe, that the Krisas bris, the covenant with Noach, was about the light of God, Memalikul Alman, that relates to creation of the world. The Krisas bris with Noach was that there will always be a continuation of the light of God that relates to Oit Kol that the light of God vis-a-vis the world will continue which is a covenant for the continuation of the world, meaning that the divine light should continue for the worlds to exist. And the Chris is bris is Avram, by Yehimahu Karas Havayas Avram, bris is on Torah Mitzvahs, that the Chris is bris is Avram is drawing down levels of God's light of Torah Mitzvahs, and then the Chris is bris with Moshe, Hine Anoichi Karas bris is the Chris is bris of the Yud Gimel Midas which is the Chris is bris and Tshuva, and we know that Torah and Tshuva draw down extremely high levels of revelation Revelations of God's light much higher than the light that relates to the creation of the worlds, which is the Krisas Bris of Noyach. So how could the Medrash compare the engraving of heaven and earth to Zeus Chukasatera? So in order to understand this, we have to preface what we learned in the previous Mimer, that we have to say that other than Atzmus, the very essence of God, there's another Madrego that's also called Ein Sof, which is the Bechina of the Or, Or Ein Sof, which is on one hand only a Ha'or Levad, it's only a glimmer from God, and it's like nothing compared to Atzmus, but on the other hand, it's also Ein Sof, it has all the attributes of the Ein Sof, because Light, or me'enamor, light is of and like its luminary. Ulahov in beard. In order to understand this deeper, we have to understand what's this inion of or ein sof of the infinite light, because we know that when we say or ein sof, we don't mean to say the or of ein sof, meaning that God is the ein sof, like the Ramak said in the previous Maimah, the Atmos is ein sof, and or ein sof means the light of the infinite of God. Because as we already we learned in the previous Mimer, if that was the case, it would be better to say, it would be better to call God Ein Leitchila, that He has no beginning, not just that He has no end. Ein Sof doesn't refer to Atzmus. Rather, Or Ein Sof means that the Or itself is Ein Sof. And as we learned that there are proofs from Eitz Chaim, from the Arizal's writings, that Or Ein Sof means the actual light. That's the light itself is called Ein Sof and not Atmos because Kabbalah Bechlal doesn't speak about Atmos. That's what Hasidus reveals. Kabbalah doesn't speak Mamash about Atmos. It speaks about the light and especially from the fact that it says that there was a Tzimtzum. That there was a contraction in the middle point of Ein Sof. Of course, that doesn't mean Chas V'Shalom talking about Atmos Mamish because there can't be Chas V'Shalom at Simtsum. Rather, the Kavan is that the R and that the contraction was the contraction of the R. Everything was in the light. And so R Ein Sof means that the light itself is Ein Sof because it's Me'en Amor. It's of the luminary. Therefore, it's like the luminary. Ubir Ha'inyan, to explain this idea, we have to to understand the difference between or and shefa, which means in order to understand why the Arizal, why the all of Chassidus is based on the fact that the source of all creation, the original source of everything is Orin Sof, this infinite light, which we're going to learn is a revelation of Atmos of God's essence, this infinite light Orin Sof, that's what the symptom was, etc., in order to appreciate this level of Orin Sof, we have to understand why is it called Or, light, and not Shefa. 
You see, when there's a connection always that A produces B. A is producing B. What Hasidus, what this Mimer is going to explain, is that there are different ways of the relationship between the A that's producing B. Depending on how the relation of how A is producing B, that's how there's going to be a connection between A and B. And so very often, Hasidus will speak about different Misholim to show the relationship of the world, of all of us, of all the worlds to God, using different language. And the language that we're using is our light as opposed to the philosophers that use the word Shefa. Kabbalah uses the word light and the philosophic books always use the word when they wanted to describe godliness that's creating the world, that God, who's the ultimate A, creating the world that is a B, they said there's a Shefa of godliness. Shefa means a flow a downflow, a flow of godliness. Kabbalah doesn't use that word. Kabbalah says, when it speaks about the godliness that's creating the world, it says the godly light, not the godly flow. What's the difference between saying light and flow? So this entire mimer is going to be using many different mishalim to understand what's the meaning, what's the connotation of the relationship of an A and a B. That's by way of shefa, which is what the philosophic books use, and a relationship of an A and B that is using the word light, which is what Kabbalah uses, which is what divinity, the way Hashem is really vis-a-vis us. Now, what this Mimer doesn't speak about is why do the philosophers use the word Shefa, Taka? Why do they use the word Shefa? Because we're going to learn that the word R, light, shows the connection of A and B a lot more than Shefa. Things, when A gives a Shefa to a B, the A and the B are, could be very far apart from each other. They don't necessarily need to have a relationship. We're going to learn that when there's a relationship of R, that A gives over its influence in a way of light, A and B are essentially always one, which is why Kabbalah uses the word light, as we're going to learn in this Mimer. But the question is, why do the philosophic books, the the, the the Chaykrim, why do they use the word Shefa to say the downflow of godliness to the world? And the answer is because the word Shefa is generic. It doesn't connote anything in particular. A flow is not saying what it is. We have to remember when we use the word light, light that we're used to seeing in this world is not what we're talking about. God is not light. He's not electricity or the type of light that we know what light is. So the philosophers that didn't want to ascribe to God any, not just anthropomorphisms, but not to describe to God any physical attribute, they used the word chef of flow, which is a lot more generic. But the Kabbalists who are more concerned, and of course Hasidus is more concerned with showing how the worlds are mamish one with Hashem, they use the word R. So now we have to understand, back to the Mimer, what's this, the difference between R and Shefa, something that comes out by way of light or something that comes out by way of flow. So the, first of all, what does it mean when you say a flow? He first points out, he first directs his analysis to the Shefa, to what does it mean when A and B are connected, that A is flowing into B. By definition, what that means is that what's flowing, the Shefa is a mahus dvar ma hanishpa v'nimshach. There's an actual being of something that's actually flowing. When you say something flows, that means there's something there other than the A and the B. 
there's an actual flow from the A to the B. Something is being drawn from the A going into the B. Like by the, and now he gives three examples in ascending order of Ruchnius. First, the most physical example is a flow of water. Shifas Mayim, Shefi when water flows from place to place, the actual being of the water goes from one place to the other. So that's an easy example where the water is an actual something flowing and leaving A and going to B. Now you understand how all of Einar Malvade is the exact opposite of that, is to show how all the worlds are mamish one with Hashem, which is going to be the ultimate secret of R. But to explain Shefa, first the sight of Shefa, he says the most physical example is where there's a flow of water from place A to place B, there's an actual giving of the water. But if we have a more ruchniyazdik, a more spiritual example, is let's say when you throw something. When you throw something, especially from below to above, you throw something. You're actually flowing a little of your koyach, a little of the strength in your hand. Your koyach hazrika, when you throw a rock or you kick a rock with your foot, you're actually giving some of the energy of the strength in your hand or your foot, which is in clothing in the thing that's being, clo- that's being thrown into the rock. So you're flowing from your strength into the rock. Now obviously the rock itself is not changing. It's not in the panemius mamish of the rock. The panemius mamish of the rock didn't receive the flow, but the fact that the rock is able to fly against its nature from below to above, you see that the koyach hazerik, the flow of the strength in your hand, was enclosed in the action of the flying of the rock against the nature of the rock to fall downwards. And because of that flow of your koach from your foot into the rock, it's going upwards and carrying it upwards and doesn't let it fall down. And you see that therefore since the flow is a mahust varma, it becomes separate from the actual hand and foot. And the proof is that after you threw it, when you're finished throwing it, your hand and your foot could relax and it's still flying. So you see that you actually gave a certain strength energy into the rock for it to be able to fly. And that's why we see that when, when you are throwing, you're not able to do something else. There's an actual change in your hand and your foot. You actually have to be enclosed in the action of throwing the rock. That's one of the ideas of Shefa, of a flow, is that when A is causing B to happen in a way of Shefa, it has to be totally involved in it. Like the water left its place, or your hand or your foot are throwing the rock in a way that they're totally involved. And so, too, when it comes to a flow of Seichel, now he's going to go to a third mushal of Shefa. But a more Ruchni is Dika mushal than the throng of the rock. And that's when it's a Mashpia, when it's a Shefa of Koyach HaSeichel, Hashbas HaSeichel Menarav Talmud, when the Rav gives a Shefa a flow of intellect to the Talmud. The Rav, the teacher, is giving to the student an actual flow of intellect. Now, obviously, there's nothing actual physical like that the teacher is giving to the student. It's not like when a, when a parent makes a child. When a parent makes a child, there's an actual hashpa atzmis. That's called a shefa atzmi. A shefa of your essence where you create the child's mind by the teacher and student 
the student for him to be able to receive the flow from the teacher has to himself have a seichel. The Rav is giving over ideas to the student, but the student himself has to have a head. Uh, like in Yiddish it says, a cup coming at the Rafshtel, and a person that doesn't have a head, a person that doesn't have a brain at all, you can't give him a brain. When it comes to the actual flow of Hashpa'atzmas of an essential, when a parent makes a child, he's actually creating a head as well. But when it comes to the teacher and the student, so obviously the student has to have his own intellectual prowess but when the teacher is giving a flow of intellect to the student the teacher is actually giving a gufa'ara he's giving an actual idea shining to the student in a way of shefa, an actual idea that the student could receive. And the teacher is involved because it's a specific idea that the teacher is giving. It's a shefa, it's a flow. The teacher has to be involved in what he's giving to the student. And that's why also when the student leaves the rav, leaves the teacher, the student will remain with the idea that he received, with the shefa of of intellect that he received from the teacher, and he'll be able to continue going deeper into it and understanding it more and internally and having vitality from it, because it's hamshachas mahus, because the teacher is actually giving mahus sikhloi, the actual being of an intellectual idea, flow of an actual idea, that's what he's giving to the makabal, and therefore when the mashpia will be mystalic, will go away, he's still going to remain with this flow of intellect. Because a flow of an intellect is an actual, you're actually giving an intellectual flow of an idea. It's not like when intellect causes emotions. Intellect arouses emotions in a way of awe, of light. Which we haven't learned yet. The idea of R is just that something that the A shines and whatever B receives, A is completely unmoved by it. But when it comes to, let's say, intellect giving birth to emotions, like for instance, when a person meditates, that elokus, that godliness is creating, vitalizing all of creation. And in every particular being, there's a divine force that's creating at every moment. And the ikr of everything is elokus. And through meditating on this with one's mind, the emotions then become ecstatic falling in love with godliness and all the desire that a person has is for elokus and not for physical things in and of themselves. What's shining in the emotions from the intellect, the intellect isn't giving the intellectual idea of the greatness of God, the gedulas v'reimah musashem, then the greatness of God's light and the preciousness. That's not felt in the emotions at all. The emotions are getting the b'chein, the bottom line of the intellect. So there the emotions are being... In, are being affected by the seichel in a way of or. But when the Rav gives over to the Talmud, when the teacher gives over to the student an intellectual ideas, nishba mahus seichel, then there's actually a shefa, a flow, a shefa of intellect, which is why the teacher has to be completely involved in what to give to the student. And not only is the teacher involved, because he's giving an actual zach, he's giving a thing. Shefa means to actually be giving a flow of a thing. Since the teacher is giving an actual idea that the student has to be able to receive, the teacher is involved, and the teacher also gains, the teacher gains from what he's giving to the student, and not just from the actual questions that the student asks, which is what makes the teacher smarter, but through the etzim hashpa, the actual giving, over to the student, that itself gives more intellect to the to the teacher himself. So you see how Shefa is mamasha flow of a thing that the teacher is gaining by giving. And so too, because the Shefa is a thing that the receiver has to receive, we're going to learn again, or 
When it comes to R, the most important thing is that A is shining. It doesn't care about B. R is that A is just shining. And whether B receives or not is not as the, that's not the point. Shefa, the, the whole idea of Shefa is that B receives. That the rock flies, that the second place gets the water, and that the student understands. And therefore, there has to be the Indian of Kloyos, Yoyotsois, of the kidneys, of that the teacher has to look at the vessels of the receiver, of the student, that that's the sign of a good teacher, of a Balpoil, one that's able to take into account the vessels of the student, that sometimes there are teachers that only know how to teach Mikra. Psukim Tanakh, but they can't teach Mishnah and Gemara because they don't know how to explain Mishnah and Gemara. Uh, the Indian being, because when it comes to Shefa, there always has to be new letters, new ways of explaining these ideas of Seichel to be able to enclose the ideas into words. And therefore, and that's how the student could receive the Seichel and that's how he'll grow from it. But when there's a person that doesn't, is not a Balpoil, doesn't know how to explain and doesn't know how to enclose the Shefa, the idea of the Seichel in that the Talmud, that the student should receive it, then he's never going to be able to understand this idea. But a person who is a Balpoil, a person who is a Mashpia, that knows, has the Kloyos Yotzeus, that has the kidneys to know how to give over the idea in a way that the student should receive, that's an Emesa Mashpia, that's what a mash- it means to give over a Shefa, and it causes a Shinu and a Spilus, a reaction in the Mashpia, that the Mashpia is totally involved in being able to give over this Shefa in a way that the student should be able to understand. Meaning, of course, that since when it comes to Shefa, the main idea is that the receiver, the bee, should receive something, a mahust varma. Therefore, the giver, the mashpia, has to be fully focused on giving something specific over to the receiver. Valpi Hanal, based on what we learned until now, that the Indian of Shefa is an actual flow with a giver is tailoring something to actual give over to the receiver, we could understand that what the philosophers, when they use the Loshan, when they use the word Shefa, that's the same thing as what the Kabbalists, the Mikubalim and Beloshan Achasidis calls Hislapshus. Throughout Hasidus, you'll find the word hislapshus, that A encloses itself, mitlabesh, encloses itself in the B. Because what's hislapshus, that A is enclosed in B? Just like when you wear clothing, the clothing have to fit you, so so to the mashpia has to change and make himself fit, or make whatever he's giving over to be fit, to be able to be mislabish, to give the shefa into the bee, to receive it in an inner way that it should fit tailor-made. And hislapshus, this kind of enclothing of one power within the next one, that's shaykh bekeiches chitzonium in the external faculties that we have in our body, throughout the way that our body and our soul functions in the external ways and our conscious ways that we know there's always an enclothing of one thing in the other for instance like we said the throwing of the rock that you enclose your force in your hand in the rock or especially when you make a painting when you make a painting or you do or you write something how much more are you enclothing in your hand even more than when you threw the rock you're enclothing in your hand a certain amount of intellect to be able to make the painting with the right words or like we find when it comes to personality, that your emotions become enclosed in the words you say and in the thoughts you have. In the words, in your speech and your thoughts, your emotion is actually enclosed. Like for instance, when you speak words of love, the actual emotion of the love, the shefa, is enclosed, of love is enclosed in the words that you're giving over to the beloved.
the emotion is actually enclosed in the speech. And so too, when it comes to thinking about the emotions, that even though thought is happening all the time, but the type of thoughts you have will change based on how much emotions become enclosed in the thoughts. And so too, when it comes to seichel, when it comes to intellect, when in your intellect is enclosed in your thoughts, instead of emotions, you can enclose your intellect, your seichel, in your thoughts or your speech to think about how to speak and to how to think, etc., as opposed, let's say, to will, when you have rotson, when you just have a will to talk, but you don't think about it, will is a makif, is a transcendent power that's not enclosed within any vessels. So you might want to think or talk, but that's not going to allow the speech or the thoughts to be misudar, to be orderly. It's only when you enclose one stage into the next in Kreches Pnimim in the internal faculties that you have. You enclose your intellect in your speech or your writing or you enclose your emotions in what you say, etc. That's a slapshus that one thing is that the A is enclosed in the B and giving over a shefa that it should be orderly. Val and now the Rebbe Shab says a gewaldika avoidikavart. He says something that shows how close Hashem is to us because Al now that we understand. The way that Shefa functions is the same meaning of what Hasidus and Kabbalah call Islapshus. Alpiza, we can now understand what it means. To love Hashem, your God, because He is your life. And like the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, chapter 44, what's the meditation to love God? That He is your life, that literally the vitality within you, it's not just that He gives you life. Godliness is your life. That the vitality that's mislabish, the shefa, the actual flow of vitality that you have in you, is a locus, is God's light that's enclosed, that's tailored to be able to be enclosed within you. And just like a person loves their own life, you love your own life, there's nothing you love more than your own life, and you want your life to be able to be revealed and to continue. So too, when you meditate that elokus vitalizes all the worlds and all created things, and the most the main thing that everything is, is really a lukus. Then you come to love Havaya and you want Havaya to be revealed that Havaya should shine, a lukus should shine in the world and in your soul. That through this love, the truth is a lukus starts shining more openly. The more you love, the more a lukus shines openly. And the love is because God's light is mamish within you, within you like your vitality. Because you're meditating that what's revealed within you is mahus kis mamish, the actual being of the godly light, the shefa, the, the light that became contracted to actually become like your soul. Now that we understand what shefa is, we can understand how much the godly light within you is contracted to become like your vitality. You know, there is also vitality in your hair. And that's for higher levels of elokus. The mushal is often given the amount of vitality in your one hair on your head compared to the rest of your body. So that's for higher levels, transcendent levels of God's light. But when it comes to mamali, kol almin, it's a thing, not the vitality in your hair, but what about the vitality in your limbs? The actual flow, the shefa of chayus, of your nefesh, in your limbs, in your actual avarim, that's the muscle for the way God's light is flowing, is within the world in an actual tailor way, tailored way, which is why the love of kiu chayecha is med- meditating how Hashem's light is within you in such a 
revealed way within you because there's that shefa of the godly flow. And, but that's generally only speaking about lower levels, mamalikulam, and lower levels of God's light that actually become enclosed in the world. But or in sof, the infinite light that's above ishtal shalos, that drawing into the world is, is only by way of or, as we're going to learn, which is the also the union of Cyrus of of hair, that when you meditate, that how much vitality is there in one hair on your head? So all the worlds are like that much vitality vis-a-vis or in sof. So that's the meaning of or. But when it comes to closeness of elokus, you meditate that there's the shefa, there's the actual flow of God's light within you, like the flow in your limbs, like the vitality in your limbs. That's how close God's light is, mislabish is enclosed within us. Because when it comes to or, now the Rebbe Rashab turns to discuss or, or when A gives influence to B in a way of or, of light, it's just an, a shine. It's not actually giving anything at all. When it comes to light, it's that A is not even interested in B. A shines, A is revealed, and A is not interested in whether B receives anything or not. Or like to give an example, like the light of the sun, the light of the sun, the sun itself doesn't come into the atmosphere, what shines in the atmosphere, nothing at all of the sun itself, nothing of the A of the sun is coming to the atmosphere. It's just a shine, it's just a ray, and it's true that the ray, the glow from the sun, the sunlight, is me'en ha'etzem, it's like the luminary, that just like the sun itself is shiny, a very shiny etzem, so too the light is going to be hot and shiny, but still, ein mina etzem klal, a, the b, the b, the influ, influence that a is giving by way of r, by just shining, it the b is not actually getting anything at all. It's just that A is shining apart upon it. And therefore A is not nitvas. The mo'or, a luminary that shines, doesn't have to change at all. Because again, it just wants to shine its own light. It just reveals its own self. There's no tir devis askus. The sun is not involved and busy to shine light. Or like when you bring a candle into a house, the whole house shines as all of a sudden is illuminated by the candle, bederech memela, automatically. It's not that the candle has to do something to light up the house. Or when you bring fire near to metal, as soon as the fire touches the metal, the heat goes throughout the metal automatically. The heat source doesn't have to give over something to make the metal warm up. It'll happen by itself as soon as it touches the fire. It's true if there's something separating the A and the B, like let's say clouds separating the sun, then the light will make it to the atmosphere. Or like sometimes the person that wants to, the the blacksmith that wants to warm up the metal, he has to bring the metal closer to the fire if the fire is not close to the metal. But as soon as the fire gets close to the metal or there are no clouds, the or, the light shines by itself, the luminary doesn't have to be misasik, doesn't have to do anything, be busy, change to shine light from itself. In Hasidus, by the way, the word or light is synonymous with revelation. So it's like, imagine a person walks out of their house and all of a sudden everyone could see them. 
He walked out of his house so now everyone could see them. The A, the person, walked out of his house and now B, everyone is able to see the person. So nothing changed in A. It's just that A is shining and therefore B is able to receive. And so too when it comes to the sun, the sun doesn't care whether anything receives its light or not. It just shines its light. That's the definition of R. That R, as opposed to Shefa, is not giving anything specific. It's just that A is shining and B receives it or not. And that's why also the sun is not affected whether there's clouds or not. Whether the sunlight is reaching the earth, the sun is not affected. And whether the fire, the metal is close to the fire or not, the fire is not affected. Because R is that A, as it is, stays in its place and just shines out a light. And now the Rebbe Roshab introduces another mushal for R, another parable for light, and we're going to learn later on why he needs this parable also. And so let's leave for a second the parables of the sun and the candle, and now he talks about the R v'chayus hanefesh, the light and vitality of the soul. The way that the soul vitalizes the body is also just a ha'ara. It's just a ray from the etzem hanefesh, the essence of the soul. The essence of the soul is not begeder chayes lahachies. The essence of the soul doesn't have the type of vitality that we live from. It transcends way above the chayus, the vitality that we have in us. But the vitality shines from the soul by way of or. That because the etzem is chay, the essence of the soul is a lebedeker, in, in, in a much higher type of chai, but because of that, it then shines into us the chayus lahachius, the vitality in our body. The vitality and soul that get enclosed in the body is the R, is the, is the B that's shining from the A, from the etzim and nefesh, which is why we're able, just like you're able to tell the luminary of the sun by the sunlight and the luminary of the candle by the candlelight, you're able to tell things about the soul based on the chayas, the vitality that's shining in the body. For instance, Bishame Beisilel, you could tell if the person's soul comes from a place of chesed gvura, the way that their mind and their emotions work. You could tell a lot because the vitality the light of the the light of the of the vitality, the light of the soul is me'ain ha'etzem is like and of the essence. But again, as we're learning about or the vitality in the body doesn't change the etzem, the essence of the soul at all. And whether or not the essence of the soul is vitalizing a body doesn't change the essence of the soul one way or the other. And when there's no vitality being drawn from the essence of the soul that doesn't cause any negation, any giroin, any lessening of the soul. The soul doesn't have to be busy with shining its vitality into the body. It happens mimela. It happens by itself. As soon as the soul shines, the body is alive. It's true that the body has to have a tsura klolis, a general form, to be able to receive the light of the soul. That's a chana klolis, that it should be a gufa odam, the body of a human being and not the body of an animal. So you have to be able to receive that light. The body has to be in, a, in the shape and form to be able to receive the light of the soul. But the soul itself doesn't change whether or not not, the person is using the vitality, moving or not moving, it ha- makes no difference because it's not like the mahashpa of a mashpia to makabal where the mashpia has to actually be busy and think about and be misasek and wonder how to get the chef into the receiver. When it comes to the vitality of the soul and the body, it's not like that. The soul doesn't have to be involved in vitalizing the body to give the light of the nefesh into the body. The soul is not involved in that. 
It's true the soul has to descend down to enclose itself in the body, but that's like the blacksmith that has to move the metal closer to the fire. They have to be near each other. But once the soul is in the body, it happens b'derech memela. The body is vitalized b'derech memela. And that's because what the A of the soul is giving out or giving out light, just a revelation. And since the soul itself is a lebedeker, is a chai be'etzem, is essentially alive, therefore the light that it shines out is chayes lahachyos, and the body itself becomes alive. So that's the mushal of the light from the soul. And now the Rebbe Shab is going to say why we need both mishalom. Why do you need the parable of the light of the soul and the parable of the light of the sun? And the answer is because when it comes to the light of the soul, ha'etzem mugder ba'espashtus. The essence is not bothered, it doesn't have to be busy to give over its vitality, but the essence of the soul is trapped and could only vitalize one body at a time. When it's vitalizing one body, it can't give vitality to another body, which is what it says in the Zohar, why Rabbi Shimon Baruchai asked Elio Navi why wasn't he at the Idro at the Great Revelation? of the Zohar, and Eliyoh Navi responded, because he had to go save Rav Hamnuna Saba and his friends, he was busy, he was saving them. And since he was enclosed in one body to be able to save, out of respect for Rav Hamnuna Saba, Eliyoh Navi had to enclose himself in one body, his soul couldn't be in another body. Even though when it comes to bris milas, Eliyoh Navi is at every bris mila, that's only sparks from his soul. But when his soul has to be enclosed in the body, a soul cannot vitalize more than one body at a time. And so that's not a good marshal for the Hashem's light. Because Hashem's light is vitalizing everything at once and therefore we need the marshal, the parable of the light of the sun. That the light of the sun shines everywhere equally. The light of the sun is causing vegetation to grow and so to causing other things to melt and other things to happen. The light of the sun does a lot of different things in many different places all at once. Because the sun is not mugder, the sun is not trapped to be doing one thing. And so that's why in that way the sun is a good muscle for Hashem's light. But on the other hand, the reason we need the parable of the soul is because the sun has to shine its light. It doesn't have bechira. And Lamaila by Hashem, it's not shaykh to say that God's light has to be shine, that He has to shine His light. And therefore, we need the parable of the soul, because the soul doesn't have to shine its light. It could be that the soul will, inclu- will not shine its vitality, and all the vitality will be included within the essence of the soul itself. Like Rahman al if somebody is, is punished by a Gilgul, the soul of a human being is reincarnated in the body of an no animal. That there's no revelation of the soul at all, because it doesn't have to be revealed. Or like it, and it says that there are actually big tzaddikim that are able to rein in, to draw in the revelations and of the vitality from their soul that they could cause that the vitality shouldn't spread out of their soul. Like Avram Avinu, who was able he was able to completely control his love for his only child that it should disappear so he should be able to do the Akedah. And when there are other tzaddikim that were able to cause their hearing not to work when they wanted to. So when it comes to the soul, you're able to be ma'alim, you're able to, to hide that revelation and it doesn't have to always be. 
And so in that detail, that's a better muscle for when it comes to Hashem, because Hashem shines His light voluntarily. So on one hand, the light is shining like the sun, everywhere equally, without any need to check out where it's shining. But on the other hand, it's voluntary, just like the soul. V'hadug, mimikoza yuvin l'mayla, based on all this, we could understand how Hashem's work, how Hashem's light works above, that it's only ha'orabavad, or in sof, that God's infinite light doesn't have anything of God's essence, which is also known as the ma'or, the luminary, and therefore there's no change in God. Hashem chas v'shalom just shines out this light, and it's a voluntary shining, like when it comes to the light of the soul. But even though it's voluntary, it's ha- Hashem does it b'derech memele. It shines out without any askus, without Hashem having to do anything or change chas v'shalom. Rather, He voluntarily shines out a revelation. Or in sof is that Hashem voluntarily chooses to shine out a revelation of a light revealing absolutely everything that God is. That's what or in sof is. Gilui ha'etzem shelefi oifen ha'etzem mamish, the revelation of the essence that's mamish like the essence, not like when it comes to Shefa that the Mashpi has to go down and make a, that what he's giving over is something tailor-made from him to the receiver, but when it comes to or, the light is a revelation of the essence as the essence is, therefore the or is also ein sof. And whatever power the ma'or, the luminary of God has, the or ein sof has as well, because it's me'ein ha'ma'or, because it's like and of the luminary. And that's the reason that or ein sof is able to create, say, like we learned in the previous Mimer, that creation is dafka from ein sof, but not like the Ramak says that it's straight from atzmus, but rather the creation is from this bechina of or ein sof, that on one hand is only a revelation of Hashem, has nothing of God's essence in it, and yet it's me'ena more, it's like and of the luminary, because that's what light is. It shines and reveals exactly what the luminary is, what the A is. But yet, when Orin Sof creates worlds, it's not in a way of enclothing. Then it's by way of the hair, like we said before. When the Orin Sof can't create worlds directly, there has to be other, there has to be Tzimtzum. The Orin Sof, because it's a revelation of God as God is, it's too much to create worlds. It's not Mamish Amokar, it's not a source, yet there has to be a Tzimtzum in order to bring about lower levels of light, which are Shefa, which are then able to be mislabish and clothed in the worlds in a close way, Bibachinas Kiruv. That's the light after Tzimtzum that becomes Shefa that's able to be enclosed in the world in an inner way. And based on all of this, now we can understand what's Pshad Zeis Chukas Satoira. And the Medjur said, What and we asked, what does it mean to engrave heaven and earth? Heaven and earth are created. But when we say to engrave heaven and earth, that's much higher than the creation of heaven and earth. The creation of heaven and earth is when Hashem's light is mamash and clothing itself into heaven and earth to bring about heaven and earth that we know. When Hashem's light is and actually 
brings about the world in an eternal way. But then Chukah is Chakika, the engraving of heaven and earth, Golif Glifu, is the Indian when Hashem is creating His light through Orin Sof. That's in a way of engraving when all the worlds are still within Hashem's infinite light. And drawing down that is through Torah Mitzvahs, which is that Pshat Zeis Chukah Satorah, that to draw down heaven and earth as they're engraved within Orin Sof before Tzimtzum. And that's why it says two times, Shem Havaya, Vayadaber Havaya, the first Havaya is Havaya after Tzimtzum as he's already in the ten spheres as he's already a Bechin of Shefa. And over there, Hashem is speaking to Moshe, as he's already contracted in the light after Sik Tzimtzum, and, and, and says, Zois Chukasatar Shatziva Havaya, the higher Havaya, the Havaya, and Atmos Orin Sof before Tzimtzum, Orin Sof, that Hashem is saying that by Torah, one is drawing down Chukasatar, the engraving of heaven and earth, as they're still within Orin Sof Mamish, how the worlds are engraved within that place of Orin Sof, that's Chukasatar, and that's drawn down into Chukas Shemaim Va'aretz.